Blog Talk Radio. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Welcome to Red vs. Blue. I'm Scott Atkins, Team Legacy in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. And as always, joined by the big blue co-host, wah, wah, from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. Mikey, uh, sorry about your Wildcats. Uh, they, you know, the, the whole Robert Morris thing. Wah, wah. I, I I I think about Marlboro when I hear about Robert Morris. I thought they were I thought they like created cigarettes. Is that Philip Morris or Robert? I don't remember. Well, you know, there's there's no reason to go womp womp. You know, it's just one of those years where it was a tough situation. Uh, young kids, uh, the one and done type deal that Calipari uh, tries to use. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna find that, and so this year it flopped. Last year it was a tremendous success. This year it flopped. Next year it's going to be a tremendous success. So it's just one of those things. You know, you just have to move forward as a Kentucky fan, as a uh, long line, long lived Kentucky fan. I really don't uh, care for it, but it's the way it is in his system. So it's you know I, I'm going to support it. You said tremendous success, right? I just want, I don't want to I don't want to dominate the airwaves tonight about uh, Kentucky, you know, but. You said a tremendous success, and I totally disagree with that, and I think most of our listeners do too. The only ones that don't are the ones that are shield that are blinded by the glitter and glitz of winning a championship at all costs. And let me let me take you back to last night's game, uh, where the Louisville Cardinals, a proud tradition, just like Kentucky has, lot you know, Kentucky has all those banners back from the '40s and '50s before we were born, uh, you know. And they they have this new system now with Coach Calipari, right? And I'm sitting there watching the Louisville game, you know, the number one seeded Louisville Cardinals, and and Reverend Jesse Jackson is in the stands. Did you know that he he was in the stands because I guess he went to North Carolina A and T. I didn't know that, right? Okay, so the story continues. Reverend Jesse Jackson is out in the crowd, and he says, you know, this is not March Madness. This is March Gladness. Because we have people graduating, young men graduating from college, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, the success of that, but it's more about March Gladness, where the boys, the young men are actually graduating. And so, Mike, you, he's actually taken and twisted it and distorted this game like the devil himself, man. You've got, you're sitting right beside Lucifer and Satan himself, and you're, and you're glorifying what he's doing to college basketball. So just so you know, that's where most of America is coming well, from. <laughs> you're killing me, dude. Uh, bottom line is, uh, 
do you really honestly and truly think that these kids are going to school to graduate? I mean, really. Well, there you go. If you can, if that helps you sleep better at night, Mikey, uh, 347-324-5404 is the number. This is the Red vs. Blue Friday Night Show, streaming live uh, on Blog Talk Radio, the fancy uh, sports channel, and on iTunes Radio. If you if you missed tonight's oh, podcast, oh, oh, it is an 8 p.m. It's going to be a community affair. It's going to be a family atmosphere, too. Well, Mike, like I said. Uh, it, it should be about March gladness, and that's what you get, man. That's what you get. You get that those big ups and those big downs, and then you know, you've got uh, you've got that program to be proud of. So we've got a big show tonight on Friday Night Football here on Red versus Blue. We're going to talk about free agency in the NFL. We're going to knock up a little bit of NCAA Final Four predictions from myself and Mike with what we've seen in the first uh, first two days of action here. We're going to talk about the Dynasty Football World Championship. The- you okay, Mike? Yeah. Do I, I got to put the buzzer meter on already in the program? We're only six minutes in, and we're we're already thinking about a buzzer meter. Uh, uh, no, I, I thought I was going to put the buzzer meter on or the bull bullshit meter on you. I don't know. I, I'm good. Robert Morris. So we're going to talk about the uh, like I said, the Dynasty Football World Championship. Big announcement today for the Dynasty Football World Championship. DynastyLeagueFootball.com has signed on to provide exclusive. Dynasty content for the FF Toolbox community and the players in the uh, World Championship. Mike, it's an exciting concept. We're excited to announce it. We put the details out. We opened up pre-sale reservations. Uh, This is a a contest that is controlled and limited in our first year. We want to see how it goes and really work the bugs out. 144 teams will participate in this event this year at a price point of $299.00. And it's interesting, we threw the details up, and we've already got two leagues full, Mike, just right off the bat in a couple of hours. Yeah, I was looking at it, Scott, uh, when I saw uh, how many teams, uh, 144 teams, that's perfect. Uh, you're talking about a two, $299 price point, that's perfect. Uh, you know, a lot of good things are uh, good things are happening there. And, uh, you know, I really can't, I really can't argue anything about it. Uh, it just looks like a lot of fun. Uh, for dynasty owners that are real good, which uh, you and I both have been uh, been associated with uh, for quite a few years, I mean this is a this is a thing for you guys to get on uh, in on the ground floor and just uh, you know do some stuff with it, and then just get your friends involved. I mean get everybody involved because uh, you know it's fun to have it's fun to be a GM slash owner of a team, and this is your chance. Absolutely, and and when you say the good friends, uh, the partnership is a match made in heaven with DynastyLeagueFootball.com. They're one of the most growing, uh, fastest growing sites in fantasy sports right now because Dynasty is so much fun. It brings a different element year-round all throughout the season to the to fantasy football enjoyment, and it gives you this uh, a different look and a different perspective on players. For example, Frank Gore, great redraft player, had a great season. But is he more valuable than a young buck who's going to develop like a Lamar Miller? Absolutely not. A Lamar Miller carries much more uh, dynasty value than a Frank Gore because Frank Gore's at the end of his career. So you, when you take a player in dynasty, you obviously are taking him for keeps, and that's what it's all about. And dynasty league football is uh, look. This is what they do. This is what they do. It's their entire world is Dynasty Football. Their brand rocks. They have an avid message board, Twitter community. We believe their writers are some of the best fantasy players and analysts in the game. And we look forward to their expertise coming to the table as we bring the first ever yep. Dynasty World Championship to the public. And so, and that's kind of what I put into the press release. And, and we're, we're just excited to be working with them. And look, we're going to put the rules out. We're going to throw some things out there. And they're preliminary set of rules because we have time. We're not rushed. We're going to throw the rules out there. And what we want from the community is to come in talk about the rules, let's tweak them, let's get them all on the same page. We're going to throw our ideas out, but look, the players, we want to give them a contest that they want. And if there's overwhelming support to change a certain thing, we're happy to do it because, look, this is all pre-sale stuff. We haven't even announced the official rules and concept, and we're getting leagues already to sign up. So it's an exciting format. Uh, We also introduced uh, a couple of months, or about a month and a half ago, we introduced the King of Dynasty concept and it's already being duplicated in the world of high stakes fancy sports and we 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 consider that an honor 
uh, the King of Dynasty is a concept that we said, look, let's recognize that team and that player that wins and scores points consistently over a three-year period. They will be a great, great team to recognize. And so every three years we'll put out a Dynasty bonus uh, for the team that scores the most points every three, every rolling three years. So every single year that prize will be given away after the, three, the, first, the third year mark. We'll start to give away that King of Dynasty bonus. And it's just a little something extra. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of the uh, exciting things happening uh, with, uh, with with that league and uh, the uh, dynasty league that you're talking about. Um, you know, there, there's no better uh, no better resource to go to than uh, Michael Bronte uh, Invictus, so to speak. I mean, I've been watching and listening, or and reading some of his posts and things like that. The guy's good. And he he gives you a lot of great insight. So you guys really need to uh, ch- check all this stuff out because uh, it it'll help you out. Because let's face it, I've said over and over again, I'm not that good at dynasty football, but I'm trying to get better. But to uh, lean on uh, shoulders like uh, Scott and uh, Michael Bronte, I mean, these guys they'll help you out. Uh, again, uh, we appreciate the support. It's going to be a fun league. There's uh, lots of different uh, angles and ways to look at this contest, but we will talk about that more. The Dynasty Football World Championship is born. Thank you to all the supporters of this contest. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun ride. Let's do it together. Let's build it. And you know what? It can be big because Dynasty is is a is a fun game, and there's there wasn't a game at this price point uh, to up the stakes a little bit. Look. $100 leagues is kind of what we all kind of play in, anywhere from 60 to 75 maybe $100 leagues. Maybe you have one that's 200 But there's no real mid-stakes type price point for the Dynasty concept, and that's what we wanted to bring to the table uh, to get some to give people that extra flavor. And, man, this thing could grow and, and, and blow up someday to, you know, who knows what, and then we could honor a true and, and have one of those big six-figure checks someday. That'd be kind of fun. So let's see where it goes. Let's grow it. Let's have fun with it as a grassroots type of thing where we all kind of do it together. And I'd love to play, but I'm, I'm going to be sitting on the sidelines kind of rooting for the, uh, for the team. So it'll be fun, and uh, let, let's move on, Mike. We've got a lot to talk about. NFL free agency has been going. Uh, we, can, we can talk about that. I do want to bring up, before the end of the program, we do want to talk about an ESPN fantasy game, fine print, that you are going to be shocked to hear about. And that will be coming up before the end of the program. But ESPN fantasy games – when you read the fine print, you will be absolutely <laughs> shocked is the word, uh, shockers, uh, in, in uh, NCAA brackets. So back to free agency, Mike. The Raiders are crafting their offense around Darren McFadden. Where have we heard this before? ESPN AFC West blogger Bill Williamson, good guy, wrote a post Wednesday entitled, Should Darren McFadden Be Traded? It presents McFadden's expiring contract, injury history, and trade value as this team continues in rebuilding mode as reasons why it could happen. But it won't. The Raiders have hinted toward any such move. Dennis Allen said the Raiders' recent offensive coaching hires were made with McFadden in mind. Greg Olson and Tony Sperano are there. They're building this offense around him, Mike. They think he's a downhill runner. And they, they, they consider his injuries to be, quote, unquote, fluky. Now, I don't know how you can say fluky after it happens every single year. But, Mike, what do you think about Darren McFadden? Let's talk about redraft. Let's talk about dynasty because this is a guy – Last year, people were taking it like one six in redraft. Exactly. How old is Darren McFadden? What's his age? Uh, twenty six, I believe. I'll have to pull that up real quick. Let me go. Let me go. Let me go to the site. Yeah. Okay. I want. I want to start with that. Uh, if you're talking about uh, dynasty, uh, I don't believe Darren McFadden is a very good pick at all. They're throwing all these smoke signals uh, about uh, oh. We're, we're going to be fine. No, no, I don't believe that. Redraft. Now that could be a different situation because I, I feel like I'm a pretty good redrafter. Jeremy Fadden could be very good this year. Uh, they're they're doing a lot of different things, like you said, that that's going to help uh, to evolve the offense to make the offense better. Uh, as far as dynasty, I would not trust McFadden at all. All right, 25 years of age, Mike. I, I was off by a year. 216 carries last year, 700 yards, two touchdowns, a very paltry yard. But he did get 42 receptions. Uh, I'm looking at the rankings over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com, and the highest ranking I see is about number 11 by Steve Waremski. 
And the lowest ranking I see is 18th, uh, Ken Moody uh, at 18. And, and, Mike, I'm kind of in the middle there. I think he's sort of around the 15 mark or so. I would definitely take guys uh, like David Wilson, well, Alfred Morris, all those young guys, DeMarco Murray. I would take them before McFadden. But I think there is some value there, especially in a contract year. Uh, you know, look, can you predict injuries? Are we in the business of predicting injuries? No. They happen. Uh, but you really can't predict them. Now, they have been chronic. We can definitely say that McFadden has had chronic injuries. Uh, I'm not so sure that it's the same injury over and over. It's, it's usually just uh, different things, different ailments. He's kind of a, kind of a wuss, right? But well, if you know, I mean, you can't ahead. predict injuries, but uh, I'll tell you what, you can always, uh, you know, a spade's a spade, so to speak. I mean, if, if something happens to somebody, Chances are it's going to happen again and again and again. How many times have we seen that? Yeah. Well, I recently did trade, uh, for all the listeners out there, I traded Vincent Jackson for Darren McFadden and the 2-1 rookie pick. There, uh, Vincent Jackson for Darren McFadden and the 2-1 rookie pick, and I thought that was a steal because, uh, you know, look, the 2-1 rookie pick is an awfully valuable pick these days. Uh, you can do a lot with it. It's an intriguing pick. It's 13 overall, and by the time the NFL draft happens, things start to clarify a little bit and starts to settle down. Plus, you also have the free agents that are involved that you can draft in these uh, free agent uh, rookie drafts. So that was the I mean, dynasty value there. I, I put him in about RB15, RB16, maybe at the worst 17, because he still has that upside. And, and you also have to remember, Scott, though, that uh, – you know, this league is becoming so pass-oriented, and I know McFadden is, I mean, he's great out of the backfield uh, with receptions and such, but this league is becoming so pass-oriented, uh, I, I just, I don't know where he fits as far as rushing, rushing touchdowns, and it, when you're talking, when you're talking uh, fantasy football, you're talking touchdowns, and yeah. how many is he going to get? Hey, he's no Alfred Morris, no Trent Richardson, that's for sure. Uh, he's uh, he's going to get those receptions, PPR. That's where it's valuable. It would be interesting to see what the Raiders do to bring in a complimentary back to help him out because they don't really have much uh, now that obviously Michael Bush went to Chicago last year. And, you know, uh, then they send Mike Goodson out uh, uh, to the Jets. They, they're going to need something else to complement Darren McFadden for sure because the guy cannot uh, carry the load. Again, dynasty value, RB16, redraft as a starter, I say, you know what, maybe spend a uh, late fourth, maybe an early fifth uh, on a guy like this. But, again, he does have tremendous upside, especially in a contract year. You know how these NFL players uh, do take care of things on their contract years. This is a special Red versus Blue tonight, a special 8 p.m. edition. Very sorry for the short notice. Had to do it tonight. We have some things going on. Uh, but we will be back at our normal start time, provided, uh, you know, that uh, the feedback that we get all throughout the week doesn't say, hey, I love the eight o'clock start time, and I'd rather do that. So we'll take it. Uh, we'll take it play by play. You can uh, reach the Red Blue Radio inbox. Uh, inbox Red Blue Radio at gmail.com. Packers head coach Mike McCarthy. Mike praises Dewan Harris, five foot seven inches tall. Uh, I do like Harris more than James Starks or Alex Green. It's a kind of murky situation, but look, he showed that he can catch the ball. He's he looks like he's a pretty quick back, Mike. Uh, I think he's a mid-round fantasy draft pick. Let's talk about redraft and dynasty. First dynasty, uh, what rookie pick would you give up for Dewan Harris right now, Mike? Wow, you know that's pretty that's pretty tough. I mean, uh, I can't really uh, judge Dewan Harris right now because uh, you know I haven't seen him just like all of us. But uh, I couldn't give up a first round yet. There's no way. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you say that, Mike. Uh, I, I would I would hope to God that you wouldn't give up a first round pick. I wouldn't give up a second round pick at this point until I learn more about what the Packers are going to do in the NFL draft. Look, if they don't address the running back situation in free agency and they don't address uh, the running backs in the draft, then his stock will go up a little bit. However, this is the Green Bay Packers, and unless you have a Ryan Grant. I remember Ryan Grant was a, a valuable uh, guy. If you if you drafted him, you know, let's say mid third round when he was at his peak, you were getting good value. That was uh, that was a good value pick for him. Dewan Harris, uh, I, I tell you, I would keep my first two round picks, and I might give up a third rounder uh, in the uh, dynasty leagues. As for redraft, 
I'm going to keep my eye on the situation. If if a back doesn't sign and they don't do anything in the draft, look, they've got to do something. They've got to compliment him. But this is the Green Bay Packers. Again, it's a passing offense. Uh, you can get your dumpers. You can get your fair share of dumpers in that offense, but it's not an offense that you can count on touchdowns uh, or a tremendous workload going to one guy. Uh, so Dewan Harris as the starter in Green Bay, uh, maybe a fifth, sixth round pick as a committee timeshare back, you know, maybe eighth round, ninth round. Yeah, you know, I, that, that's the way I feel. I mean, let's face it, uh, Green Bay, they, they still have Randall Cobb. They still have Jordy Nelson. They got they got guys that can uh, play. Uh, plenty of wide receivers out there, plenty of options. Uh, I can just see them grooming him to be, uh, you know, to be the next uh, whatever he wants to be. By the way, Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, our good friend Joe Dix, our correspondent from Evansville, he says, is the game to watch? They're beating Georgetown 48-33. The 15th. I'm watching it right now, Scott. It's 48-33. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast has the ball, and there's 13 minutes to go. Oh, they're putting it on Otto Porter, man. And, and that kid, they, uh, you know, it was a funny, a funny coach. Uh, he got up there before the game, and he uh, wow. he asked his players. He asked his players, he, he said, hey, you know who New Rockney is? And he looked down at one of the kids, and he was like, no. He's like, me neither. He <laughs> <laughs> was just kind of uh, kind of open, kind of honest. Uh, and he just uh, he said, look, I'm not going to give you a big motivational speech, but you deserve to be here. You're here. Nobody can take it away from you. Go out there and let's have some fun. And then they got together and got their their their, their point, uh, their, their, their forwards out there. And, you know, look, 48 to 33 against Georgetown, who has had a tremendous year this year. Six losses, I think, something crazy, you know. Uh, had a fantastic year, and this is the this is kind of their mo in the tournament lately. Just not really doing much, and and as a two seed, we might have the biggest upset of the making uh, of this yep. uh, young tournament here tonight. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast. I didn't even know they were Division One, uh, but I never heard of them before. Titans head coach Mike Munchik loves running back Sean Green. Mike, I, there's three yeah. words. There's three words that come to mind when I read that headline. What the what? You know, uh, he says we're not going to have him as a short yardage back, a goal line back, a four-minute back, and that's all he does. We feel he can play all three downs. He may get a series where he gets going and we're taking over the line of scrimmage, and you want that runner in there, and we leave him in there. Well, you know, I <laughs> I don't know if I believe all of that. I mean, that's just a lot of coach talk, whatever. Yeah. I, I do believe that Sean Green was in a bad situation in New York. I do believe that. Uh, but but the bottom line is, can he really uh, coexist and do that type of workload that what he's talking about? No, I don't think so. I mean, Sean Green's not an elite running back, but he can. Uh, I do believe he can. Uh, he can fulfill a lot of positions and uh, do a lot of things that can. That can help that team out. Uh, Fantasy-wise, eh, mid-range, low-range. Well, hey, you know what? The guy had uh, about 1,200 yards last year, a little bit over, actually, with eight touchdowns. Not a bad season for a running back in the, with the New York Jets. 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns, 20 receptions, or 19 is what it says. So, look, it's not he, he's not a great producer. Uh, he's kind of a plotter. Never been a big yards per carry guy. Uh, if something happens to Chris Johnson, you've got yourself a, you know, an RB three type candidate. I remember there was a game last year that I was playing a uh, playing a guy, and he started Sean Green at me. And you kind of look in your lineup, you know, you kind of look at your matchups, and you see who you're playing against right after you know kickoff on Sunday, and you're like, okay, I want to win this league, I want to win this league. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm probably gonna win this one already, but this game right here, I'm playing Sean Green. This one's in the bag. And the guy ran off for like 30 points against the Colts. You remember that? I mean, he had a huge game. Uh, 35 points or so. You know he's yep. capable. He's he's capable of big games. He won't produce for you week in and week out. Uh, right. But again, uh, dynasty wise, he's there. There isn't. Uh, you know, look. Dynasty wise, I don't see much value at all. No, I mean, I, I'd, I'd I'd probably go ahead and give somebody a, a fourth or fifth round pick for him just to go ahead and take him and have somebody for depth. You know, I I, I might give up a fourth just depending. Probably a fifth. Now, now I will say this, though, Scott. Uh, redraft wise, uh, he might be worth a uh, later round pick to go ahead. You know, an eighth, ninth pick, eighth, ninth round pick. 
Uh, well, it's got to be later than that for me. You know, look, you're, you're trying to fill yeah. up your roster. And in the FFWC format, we start 11 players, Mike. So that means you need nine skill position players, minus the kicker and defense there. So you got to have nine. And then you have to well, have five-week five week guys. So you're, you're pushing him out into the 12th, 13th, 15th round range for me. You got to start your. You got to have your starters in there before you you go with the. Well, but you can always remember in round uh, 12, 13, 14, there's going to be plenty of wide receivers out there. Yeah, uh, let's go on to the Giants, man. That's the that's the team in New York to be talking about. The Giants find their new tight end in a guy that I know that you like, Mike, uh, Brandon Myers. The kid had a tremendous season with Oakland uh, and he broke out with Oakland. He's been in the NFL since 2009, but 79 passes last year, 806 yards, four touchdowns. We just saw uh, Martellus Bennett sign the four-year contract with the Bears earlier this week, and so now we see this opportunity that Eli is saying, hey, you can't send me to war with an Adrian Robinson, a freak, uh, quote-unquote, remember when the GM called him the next Pierre Paul of tight ends? Uh, you can't send Eli to war with that guy. You've got to bring in somebody. And they brought in Brandon Myers, Mike. Good move, right? Oh, I think it's outstanding. I mean, Oakland Raiders, uh, he was he was playing with Oakland and uh, put up phenomenal numbers with Oakland. And that was with Oakland. With a, a anemic offense that couldn't do crap. Now he's going to somebody, and he's going to connect with Eli. I mean, I think this is just <laughs> – Wow, if you're a Brandon Myers owner, you've got to be very happy with uh, well, with the way you stand, especially because the the Giants, uh, they're you know the wide receivers. I mean, they're good, but you know th- this is just opening up even more avenues for him. So I, I think it's awesome. Well, he definitely went off the radar uh, being in Oakland, not knowing what the quarterback situation looked like, and then having that big year seemed kind of fluky because he was just they were kind of out of games and he was kind of getting his his catches mostly in the second half and he went and he became one of those players that well yeah he can get 11 or 12 catches and then you put him in your lineup and he gets you two or three or one or zero and you don't know what to expect so then you bench him and then he comes back and gets another 10 catch game it was very erratic behavior and you didn't really know it was more about the the way the game played out i do think it's a good signing for the giants i think it's a much better situation for brandon myers obviously to be on a championship type team and have a quarterback like Eli throwing him the ball, he has that potential of ability in New York to be a top 12 tight end. He could be a starter yeah, for yeah. you. There's a lot of good tight ends. Look, would you rather have next year Jermichael Finley or Brandon Myers? I mean, Brandon what do you Myers. know about? You know, Finley is all about un- untold promises. He promised us that he would be an elite player, and he just hasn't been one. He had a big well, game in the Arizona not, playoffs, and everybody since then has been raving about him, but he, he hasn't produced. Well, well, it's one thing to produce on a bad team, and th- then when another team really wants you, we're going to find out. But there is no doubt in my mind that Brandon Myers can produce with a better quarterback, with a better offensive system, with a better whole entire scheme, than he did last year, and and that's just you know that just goes with last year's numbers. I mean, Brandon Myers is a no brainer. Yeah, so it's a it's a good signing. We both agree, uh, not bad here, Mikey. Uh, Brandon Myers is a good signing for Eli Manning, and he should uh, he sh- you should see an uptick definitely in touchdowns. I'm not sure about the 79 catches. We still have to see what happens with Victor Cruz and and Hakeem Nicks, but we will uh, we will continue to monitor that situation. Uh, as they try to get both of those guys back in the fold. But speaking of Hakeem Nicks, Mike, we well, started a discussion. Who's, who's coming out of the backfield for him? Who's, who's, who's going to be running the ball? David Wilson. David Wilson, uh, you know, he's going to be giving the shot. If he doesn't succeed in the first couple of weeks, which that's going to be nippy, then next thing you know, that opens it up. So, I don't know. Big, big, big question mark for, uh, for uh, the Giants. Oh well, yeah. David Wilson is going to be—he's uh, no slouch by any means. He's got—he uh, he, got—he went into the doghouse, Coughlin's doghouse, early in the season, right off the bat uh, for the fumbling issues. But look, he's going to be a stud. He—he he was in that same mold of Doug Martin and Trent Richardson, and I remember all the talks in Dynasty who to take, and and some people had Wilson on top of Martin. It was always Richardson number one, and then it was kind of like, okay, now who's number two? And it was always between Wilson, Martin, and Lamar Miller. And then the NFL 
somebody forgot that memo because Dynasty players said, hey, Lamar Miller, he's a good guy. Guys like East Bay Funk, Nick Pasto, guys like um, Sigmund Bloom from Football Guys, these guys that really study game film, they said, don't sleep on Lamar Miller from Miami. This kid uh, will be excellent. And the NFL just, they continue to let him slide. All the coaches let him slide, slide, slide. And then finally, we said, well, geez, I guess they don't think much of him if they're going to let him slide that far in the draft. And now he's getting his shot. They they let go of uh, they 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 take uh, Reggie Bush and they say you know what we're done with this guy and they that's how they treat running backs these days. But Lamar Miller and your point about David Wilson he is he's a he's an excellent player. He could be just as good as Doug Martin. I I believe that. I I love Doug Martin. Uh, he's got to be my number two uh, dynasty running back in the NFL, uh, right behind Trent Richardson. You know I'm not as high on Adrian Peterson in Dynasty just because of the length of time that you're going to have him, but I, he, I believe he's still the number one consensus overall pick in redraft leagues, as he should be. But David Wilson has that potential to be – now, he has Andre Brown. He's going to split time with Andre Brown. David Wilson is going to be that guy that you're looking for C.J. Spiller-type production from. That's kind of the ballpark that I, that I, that I see his upside. I'd rather have C.J. Spiller over David Wilson because I haven't seen Wilson do it over the long haul and produce and have the type right. of carries that C.J. Spiller has. But we had a discussion. Well, knowing Tom Coughlin, I mean, knowing Tom Coughlin, he's not going to sit there and just run out David Wilson with 30, 35 carries, uh, you know, try to get five receptions out of him. I mean, it's going to be split. It's going to be split pretty uh, pretty evenly. No, I won't say evenly. I'd say 75-25, but uh, still, Andre Brown's a good one to have. Let's talk about Hakeem Nix real quick before we move on to the rest of the free agent action. And by the way, everybody in the chat room, thank you for being with Red versus Blue. We apologize for the short notice. Maybe this time frame, we'll, we'll check out this time frame. It was a very short notice uh, type of decision. We had some things come up for this evening. So we moved the podcast up to 8 o'clock. Uh, not a lot of people know about it. And so thank you for being part of the crew. Some of the best minds in the world of high stakes fantasy sports are in the chat room. When it comes time for the season and you have your Who Do I Starts, this is the place you want to be. Hakeem Nix. Still, the situation here with the wide receivers in New York, still unresolved. I asked a question on, on Facebook. I said, look, he was eighth best wide receiver in 2010. That was his breakout year. You remember the first game he comes out, uh, Lou Tranquilly called him as his breakout player. And sure enough, he was. Breakout player. Hockey Knicks came out and scored two touchdowns, like 100 yards in the first game of the season. And everybody's like, oh, hell, Lou. And you know what? I give Lou mad props for that call because – Excellent. Uh, he, he turned out to be one excellent player with huge hands, catches everything. Eighth best wide receiver in 2010, Mike. Twelfth in 2011. And 53rd in his third year in 2012 after missing five games. So when healthy, Mike, he's been top ten one time. Twelfth in 2011. 53rd 2012, obviously. When healthy, do you think Hockey Nick still has top ten wide receiver upside with Victor Cruz in, this, in the picture? No, I... I don't think Nick's. Uh, I don't think Nick's is going to be uh, a a viable option right now. Well, no, hold, hold on, hold on. Nick's is going to be very viable, but he's going to be. Uh, I'd say mid range thirty. You know, as far as wide receivers, uh, there's just there's going to be options that uh, Manning's going to have, and uh, it's just good. It's not going to be Nick's. All right. Well, look. Uh, he he he's somewhere uh, in this ballpark of top fifteen ish. You've got Calvin, Julio, Marshall, Dez, Andre Johnson. Those are pretty much your 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 big guys. You have Demarius. I mean AJ Green. I'm sorry. You have Demarius. I don't think he does, Scott. I, I really don't think he does because there's so many uh, there's so many other uh, kids that are coming along, and I just don't see him being up that high. All right. Well, let me let me finish. You know, you have the big wide receivers in Calvin, Julio, Marshall, A.J. Green, Des Bryant. You know, all those guys are elite. You've got Demarius. Then you've got these guys. You've got this group of guys, Mike, this Andre Johnson. I would put him in the elite category. But you got Vincent Jackson and Cruz and Decker and Welker and Roddy and Colston and Reggie all, all these guys here are in this ball. You know, Nick's could be at the top of this list or he could be at the bottom of the list or he could be somewhere in between. It's the, the the type of guy that he is is week to week he has the potential to be a top wide receiver like top five, but right. over the course of an entire season is he the guy that you can count on week to week? And the answer is no, he is not that no. guy for 
Eli Manning anymore. And I don't know if it's, you know, obviously the health last year is an issue, and that is what we have to remember. But with, with Victor Cruz, all we really had was the end of that, that playoff run of 2011 when he dominated. He dominated with Victor Cruz on the field. And, and so can he return to that? Yes. I think over short periods of time he can. And he can win you a championship. But is he the guy that you're going to be able to count on week to week to week to week? I don't think so. I think that Eli has moved away from that obsession with Hakeem Nix, which is what we had, to a more balanced offense, especially with guys like Ruben Randall in the fold. Uh, you, you now have a more well-rounded, diverse set of wide receivers. You can always plug in a wide receiver three for New York, and he's a stud, you know. Uh, you've got the yeah. good running backs. Bye-bye, Ahmad Bradshaw. But you replace him with a David Wilson and an honor Brad, and you're fine. And now you have a Brandon Myers as well. You're going to be a well-rounded offense. There's no reason to continually throw the ball to Hakeem Nicks like you do A.J. Green. Or like the type of offense that you have in Atlanta with Julio and Roddy. So give me Julio and Roddy all day long over a guy like Hakeem Nix. Give me an Andre Johnson when there's nobody else to throw to. Give me a Demarius Thomas. And give me a Vincent Jackson because that's all they have to throw to. I mean, that he is really the offense there at 1,500 yards last year. So that's my take on Hakeem Nix. Scott, with that, uh, with that new offense, and I really believe that Tom Coughlin is going to dedicate things to uh, uh, David Wilson. They won't. They won't have to rely on Eli and those wide receivers too much. I, I really believe that you're going to see a transformation in the New York New York Giants offense. That's something that you haven't seen before. Because if David Wilson gets rolling, then uh, that's pretty much going to be it. Well, I, I'm not ready to say that, Mike. I think that's a little. I think that's a little out of bounds uh, for this conversation. They have won a couple of Super Bowls doing it this way. A lot of teams can't say that they've won one. They've won two with Eli. No real reason to change things up. Keep doing what you're doing. You've got the three wide receivers out there, Cruz, Randall, and Nix. You've got a tight end. Look, you're going to throw the ball. He's going to throw for 4,500 yards. Uh, they just need to take care of the ball a little bit better, have things go their way. They've got a great defense if they can keep it together. So not no real reason to change things up. David Wilson is going to be a good player, but not, no, no reason to really change. By the way, Florida Gulf Coast getting ready to pull the big upset, Mike. Eight minutes left. Yep, they are. I'm watching it right now. Still up. Uh, Georgetown is down by 12, so Florida Gulf Coast, keep things going, and we'll have the uh, biggest upset right here on Red Blue Radio. Vikings signed Greg Jennings, Mike, to a five-year deal. Look, we kind of knew this was coming. I mean, look, he was 34 last season. He plays. He played in every game from 2008 to 2010, and was one of the league's most productive wideouts, right? But he has battled injuries in recent years, and that's just what happens to you when you get to this age. And it's pretty straightforward, don't you think, Mike? It's it's yeah. it's the fact that he's just not quite the same player he used to be. Uh, and and I might have said 34. I meant he's 30. The contract will running through is 34, so he's aging a little bit quicker. But look. He's still worlds better than somebody like Jerome Simpson, right? I mean, that's what our, our good friend Brian Murphy at FF Toolbox, he puts it. He says he's, he's worlds better than Jerome Simpson. I totally agree. So it's, it's a good move for Christian Ponder to get you somebody like that, considering you just got rid of the best player on your team in Percy Harvin, you know, uh, albeit Adrian Peterson's on the team. Uh, some people would argue that Percy is more well-rounded than the best athlete on the team. So, uh Mike, what do you think about Greg Jennings in Minnesota? Does this move make Christian Ponder a keepable uh, and draftable in redraft, maybe you know twentieth round? <laughs> and and b, what does this do to the Vikings team as a whole to bring in a guy like Greg Jennings? All right, well I'm going to address this with b, the Vikings whole. Uh, Greg Jennings was brought in. I feel like he's being brought in to teach and coach. Cut dry and simple. I mean, the guy, he, he can still play. He's going to help Christian Ponder so much uh, as far as uh, teaching a quarterback. This is where I'm going to be. This, this is where I'm not going to be. He's going to go, go with the other uh, wide receivers on coaching on this is where I need to be. So, you know, I think, I think Greg Jennings, to be honest with you, I, I think it's an investment for the, for the future. It's an investment for the future because he needs to teach his kids how to play. You got your wide receivers, coaches. Yeah, well, they know a little bit of the 
this and a little bit of that. But the bottom line is the guys on the field know what's going on. Greg Jennings is a perfect example. This guy is going to help those kids as far as not running, and, and it will ultimately help Christian Ponder or whoever ends up being the quarterback at Minnesota, which might not be Ponder by the end of the year. So that's my well, take on that. Well, good take, Mike. I, I, I kind of have to agree with you. I don't, I don't know uh, what what they're actually uh, what they why they why they had to make that move with Percy Harvin. Why can't you fix things? Why can't you smooth things out? You put Adrian Peterson into a room, and you say, "Look, let's get this done. Let's get this done. We've got the two best players here. You guys are our leaders. Let's make sure that that this thing happens uh, for the good of the, for the good of everybody." But now you're sitting in a situation where Greg Jennings is your wide receiver option. This is a good situation for Greg Jennings. It can't get much better because look. You know, you're not going to – anywhere else you want, wanted to go, you aren't going to get the ball like you're going to get in Minnesota. And you're going to get to play your, your your rival Green Bay too. So you got Greg Jennings, Jerome Simpson, Jarius Wright, and Aroma Shadu, along with Kyle Rudolph in the middle. Mike, I kind of say that that's, that's serviceable because Jarius Wright, kind of an exciting little player, I think he fits well in, as, a, as a wide receiver three-slot guy. Jerome Simpson – we already know what kind of player he is. He's a very low-end wide receiver, too. He's not an elite wide receiver, too. He's definitely not somebody that, that's going to uh, put the hurting on a team like a T.Y. Hilton can do, you know, uh, a young guy, or a Julio Jones, a dominant player as a, as a two. Those are guys that perform like ones. Uh, Jerome Simpson, he's going to perform more like a three or a four, you know, in fantasy, and, and, and that's, that's if you're lucky. So Jerome Simpson's not going to do much of anything in Minnesota, but Greg Jennings is going to get the ball a lot. He's going to, as long as he's on the field, he's going to get a lot of those targets. Kyle Rudolph's going to get a lot of targets, and Adrian Peterson's going to get the lion's share of the carries. They're going to control the game like they do with Rex Sanchez. Uh, I wanted to say Rex Sanchez. That's what I ought to call him from now on, Mark. Rex Sanchez. <laughs> his new name. Rex Sanchez. Uh, so that's what they're going to do. Good move for Greg Jennings. If you have Greg Jennings in a dynasty league, Mike, what do you do? Do you sell now on some good news, or do you hang on for the ride and ride this guy out because he is going to be the, the wide receiver one on the team? Well, it just depends. If you're in a dynasty league and have him, um, if you're young at wide receiver, uh, yeah, ride him out. Ride him out. If you're not and if you need some help, then uh, you know, try to get rid of him. All right, we're moving on, Mike. Cardinals coach Bruce Arians believes Rashard Mendenhall is a legitimate big-time threat every time he touches the ball. So prediction time, Mike. Which Arizona running back will have the bigger season, Rashard Mendenhall or Ryan Williams? Uh, that, that's, no, that's no problem at all. That's going to be uh, Rashard Mendenhall. I, I, it, it's going to be he's got one, two years left that, that he's going to really break out. And if Arians believes in him, then I believe in him. Because Arians, I mean, he believed in the, the coach this year. So, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Mendenhall. You're going with Mendenhall. Okay. Well, you know, uh, this is a guy that hasn't really done much, right? I mean, in 2011, he had two 20-point games. In 2010, he had three 20-point games. In 2009, he had one 20-point game. Happened to be a 30-point game. He's never lived up to the expectations. He looked like an absolute beast coming out of Illinois. Everybody was real enamored with him. And then all of a sudden, uh, he's never really done what he needed to do. And so when I look at it, I think that to myself that Ryan Williams still hasn't had the opportunity because, A, they didn't have a quarterback. Now, <laughs> they haven't really solved that issue yet. Uh, but but I think that you still have to give Ryan Williams the chance to be what you drafted him to be when you took him in the second round. They have Ryan Lindley and Drew Stanton. That's still not enough to get to keep to get Larry Fitzgerald happy by any means. Drew Stanton is probably better than Ryan Lindley at this point, but still not enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL and compete. And if you don't want eight men in the box, Mike, what do you have to do? You got to have yeah. a quarterback. You got to have a quarterback. That can throw to these guys. They got Larry Fitzgerald, Andre Roberts, Michael Floyd, and they got a, a promising tight end in Hauser. So look, they've got weapons out there. You just have to get a guy behind center. So let's say they do this. Let's say they do the unthinkable, Mike. Let's say Geno Smith or Matt Barkley is still sitting there at that eight pick in the first round. You have to take him. I don't care what your scouting report says. I don't care if if they look at his arm like a piece of jelly. 
look, you have to do something about your quarterback, and there's nothing out there in free agency. You're not going to get – Matt Flynn's not going to come rescue you from Seattle, okay? Rex, Mark Sanchez, Rex Sanchez, he's not going to come rescue you from the Jets on a trade. Tim Tebow's not coming to save the day. You have to address it in the draft and just go for it, man. Cross your fingers and say one of these two guys is going to be the guy. Yeah, you know, you, you, you do have to. Even though the uh, quarterback crop this year, Scott, I mean, let's face it, it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty bad. But uh, you still have to this year. I mean, if you don't do it this year, when will you do it? And by the time next year comes along, I mean, you're way, way too far deep. So, uh, you know, you pretty much have to do it this year. And uh, But, man, that quarterback crop is, I mean, it's not very good. No, it's not. And so, like I said, uh, I believe you still have to give that opportunity to Ryan Williams. We turned that into a draft strategy discussion. I don't mind that. I think if, if Geno Smith is still there, you grab him, cross your fingers. If he's not, I think you take. I think you uh, try to wait for the second round and maybe grab a Barkley if he's still there. You know, that's what you got to hope for. And if he's not, maybe you take one of those other uh, quarterback options that are there. But, look, Mendenhall, three out of the four years prior to his injury, he averaged 3.1, 3.9, and 4.1 yards per carry behind what most believe was a pretty good offensive line in Pittsburgh. The guy's overrated. Even his best year of 2010, he averaged 3.9 yards per carry. He had five weeks in which he averaged less than two and a half. So he was a TD machine that year. That's kind of what we got excited about, short yardage situations. It overinflated his numbers. But you can't buy this guy, especially behind right. the woeful Arizona offensive line. He's a stiff. He's a stiff. So you got to give the opportunity to Ryan Williams, and I'm not so sure that that's even a good move either. I would much like, I would, I would very, I would, I would really like to fill out my starting lineup without taking an Arizona starter, and hope that everybody feels the same way. And then maybe as a flex player in my tenth, in my tenth round, I hope that somebody has not taken the Arizona starting running back, and then maybe I could take a flyer on him. That's the only way I would do it. That's the only way I would do it. And in dynasty, here's one. Here's the other. Here's the thing that I will say. They're still young backs. Ryan Williams is still a young back. And with him being so young, Mike, you can take the chance that he will develop and that the offensive line will do better. And so if that's the case, would you take if if you were a if you were a Ryan Williams owner, oh. would oh. you take a third round rookie pick for him right now? Uh yeah, I would. Okay. All right. Yeah, well, I would because of, uh, I mean, this guy's fragile. I mean, he, uh, Ron Williams, he's been fragile, and apparently he always will be. It's like we, what we talked about earlier in the show. I mean, they, they have this stigma of being fragile, and that's it's not a stigma. It's the way they are. So, uh, yeah, I can't take Ron Williams on any account right now. Yeah. Well, I would not. Uh, look, I have gotten some offers for him in the dynasty. I would not trade him for a third-round pick. I've got too much invested. I'm not ready to cut bait yet. If somebody offered me a second-round pick, done deal. Any second-round pick, I'll take it. I'll take it. And I'll take my chances with somebody else. But uh, it would it would have to be that type of price. Now, Mike, we have uh, just a couple of more minutes to here to talk NFL free agency. And it's, uh, it's getting to the point where everything's kind of settling in. You know, Brandon Lloyd was released by the Patriots. Emmanuel Sanders didn't sign the offer sheet with the Patriots as it was, was first reported. Uh, and, you know, these, these are the types of stories we're seeing right now. And it's getting to the point where everything's kind of settling in and we know what's happening. And, you know, look, the, the team that's the most interesting, the team that's done the best job in this offseason, you have to give it to the Miami Dolphins. Miami. Yep. The Miami Dolphins. And, and, and give Rachel a shout-out for me. I love that girl. Give Rachel a shout-out for me, Mike. But I will. They're doing a lot of good things for Ryan uh, Tannehill. I mean, you obviously have Lamar Miller. You moved Reggie Bush. Uh, well, you know, you let him go. You've got Hartline and Mike Wallace, Brandon Gibson, and Dustin Keller. You're doing good things. I like to see a team that's at least active trying to do something. And they haven't tried in a while, Mike, but they're trying this yeah, year. And I think the offense is going to look a lot better if Tannehill can avoid 
you know, a sophomore uh, just with no progress, a sophomore year with no progress. Yeah, you know, it's funny. She brought out a, uh, a old shirt, old Miami Dolphins shirt, and just kind of wore it the other day. I said, what's that all about? And she's like, we're looking good. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, you are. Let's keep track of it. But, no, Miami, I mean, they're developing a lot of players around Tannehill. Tannehill is still, I mean, he's still rough around the edges. Uh, as far as a dynasty player, uh, dynasty fantasy football player, either way, he's still rough around the edges. Don't get me wrong, but they're putting guys around him to where he can be successful, and uh, I really see uh, some good things happening in Miami. Yeah, I like I like what they're doing. I don't see a lot of fantasy stars other than Lamar Miller developing out of that offense. Dustin Keller's not going to turn into a a, a tight end yeah. one in that offense. Uh, he, he probably had his best years as a Jet. But but I do think that what they're doing is they're at least making an offense a little bit more well-rounded. When you have Brian Hartline as a two, he's going to be much more productive. When you move uh, guys like Devon Best uh, or a Gibson into the lineup, they're going to be much more productive in those natural roles because you now have that wide receiver one. Look, with with Brandon Marshall, they can at least score you know, and, and could at least move the ball down the field. I don't think Marshall had a lot of touchdowns. I, I recall three for some reason, but I'm not too sure. Yeah. So, but Tannehill is a much better arm than what they've had in previous years. And let's give this kid the benefit of the doubt. Look, he's not RG3, he's not Andrew Luck, and he's not Russell Wilson. We know he's not on that level. But right. is he a tier below that, and can he get the job done, and can he win? Can they win eight games this year, Mike? Oh, I think, absolutely. Yeah. I, I believe they can. Uh, let's face it, they're playing uh, New England twice, Buffalo. They can they can handle Buffalo and you know the Jets. I mean they can handle Jets, so it's no problem at all. Absolutely. Uh, I'm just talking to uh, White Razors in the chat room. What round draft pick in Dynasty and redraft for Lamar Miller? Uh, Lamar Miller, you can't get Lamar Miller uh, without giving up like a one three one four type pick in Dynasty. You can't get him. He's impossible to get right now. And then uh, in redraft, I think he goes early, early mid third early mid third. He's still unproven, but he is going to be the workhorse. And I know, you know, Daniel Thomas will be that guy that he was for Reggie. He'll be that short yardage relief kind of relief kind of back, but he's not a starter. Lamar Miller has the potential to, to be a starter, especially remember he was in the talks of Doug Martin and as David Wilson uh, when the season started. Okay, Mike, real quick. I put out a, a release today for the FPA because look, we could, I can't, I can't take it when these types of things happen. I don't care if I'm in a, a fantasy operator or not. You have to know the scoop, and you have to know the details about what's going on in the high-stakes world. We've been burned before on this very program with people that didn't represent themselves appropriately, and it's, and it, and it's happened before. It looks like e, what ESPN is doing let – just, let me just read you the fine print. It's so important these days. And when you have to take a look because ESPN, it says in their eligibility and restrictions, small little link at the bottom, ESPN fantasy games are subject to the laws of each of the 50 states, any state excluded – from prize eligibility in ESPN Fantasy Games is based on our review and interpretation of the applicable law in that state at that time. While these laws prevent us from permitting residents of excluded states from winning a prize in our premium or prize-eligible fantasy games, they do not prevent such residents from paying an entry fee and playing for fun if they so choose. Ineligibility applies across all states, including league champion prizes. Currently, the following states are excluded from our premium and prize-eligible fantasy games, which means participants residing in these states may pay an entry fee and play, but are ineligible to win a prize. Washington, Arizona, Maryland, Tennessee, Iowa, Louisiana, Vermont, Montana, and North Dakota. The FDA statement, this is utterly ridiculous. The fact that they accept your entry fee should mean you're eligible for prizes. ESPN excludes nine states, which from where we sit is more than required. So they're being safe in that regard. However, the customer service angle here is absolutely absurd. How would you feel, Mike, if you paid, you entered, you played, you won, and then found out you weren't eligible for the cash grand prize? This is a disservice to the fantasy community, and everyone should spread the word. I can't. How I would feel, I can I cannot say uh, there'd be a lot of four-letter words dropped right now. So I would be that upset. 
Yeah, you know, and it's and it's buried in the fine print. They say you can play the game, but you're not playing to win, and you have to read the fine print. And who clicks that eligibility and restrictions except a guy like me? Nobody. I would. Nobody. I, I, I click it. It's so small, Mike, and you're not going to read through all the print. You're scrolling all down. You're never going to read it because you just you're just not going to. Yeah. You're going to put your entry fee in. You're going to play your season. You're going to play your bracket challenge, and you won't believe what I found on the bracket challenge. <laughs> the bracket challenge. Whoa, boy, is that not a mess? You know, the fact that they say you can play in the bracket challenge because it's free is great and all, right? <laughs> right. It, it's funny. They say if you win the bracket challenge, if you're the best team this year, you don't win. They're going to take the top 1% of teams, by the way, and they're going to have a random drawing out of the top 1%, and one of those teams is going to win. I have seen that. And, and they go on to say, if we draw your name – we're going to do a criminal background check on you. And if you have a pass that we don't like, we're going to skip you and it's going to go to the next guy. So Mike? basically it's a contest to, for nothing. I'm absolutely for Well, with your background, yeah. <laughs> <You're not> going, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, that's yeah. what I thought, man. It, it's absolutely uh, it's shocking that a company like ESPN who uh, who gets, you know, 30 million people to play their pay premium fantasy game. That's why they're key. That's why that those states are in there. I mean, you look, you yeah. can't, you can play. They're not going to turn you down because they got 30 million fantasy players. That's a lot of money we're talking about. When you exclude a state, when all they have to say is, Oh, you can play for fun, but you're just not eligible to win the prizes. Mike, that's uh look, uh, I have to, I have to be the one to spread the word. I hope everybody realized that I've already had people on Twitter. Tell me, thank you. I had no idea, and that's the last they're going to see in my mind. And look, I, hey, I'm just putting out there what they've already put. It's already out there in, in print. They just, uh, they just, uh, man, it's shocking. Okay, Mike, final four predictions. It's not going to be Georgetown. They're losing by nine with two and a half minutes to go. Who are your final four predictions for the NCAA tournament? Well, uh, one of mine's already out. <laughs> so oh, uh, that's honest. Yep. One of mine's already out, but uh, I'm going to stick trying through with the uh, the four that I have. Uh, I'll just let you know. Uh, it's, it's Wisconsin, uh, Duke, Kansas, and Indiana. Wow. And I've okay. got Indiana against Duke in the final game, and I've got the Indiana Hoosiers cutting down their nets. All right. Well, good luck to you there. Uh, here at uh, on this side of the fence from where I'm sitting, Louisville, the number one seed, the most dominant team coming in, uh, is going to cut down the nets. We didn't cut them down in the Big East tournament for this very reason. No sleep till Atlanta, baby. Louisville against Miami in the championship game with Louisville cutting down the nets. They advance through Gonzaga, and Miami advances through Michigan. Now, if I had my way, Mike, if I had my way, I would yep. much rather get my hands on Michigan State for revenge a couple of years ago in Indianapolis. I would like to get my revenge on just the Big Ten in general. Take it out on the Big Ten. Beat Michigan State, beat Ohio State, and then beat IU in the final. That would be a thing of glory. And if, and if that happens, you're going to have one uh, ecstatic guy here down in the ATL well, on that Monday night. I'll I, I tell you, Scott, uh, I'm going to say this uh Right before we uh, shut down here, um, being a Kentucky fan, you know, we, we had our time last year. We had a lot of fun, and uh, this year's been tough. Louisville, they have they have a shot this year. This is a very good team with the most outstanding defense I think I've ever seen in college basketball. So uh, I'm rooting for you guys, and I hope you uh, – I really do. I, I hope that you guys keep it in the state and uh, keep it running. All right, that is it for tonight, FF Toolbox. Uh, we appreciate uh, the, uh, the the listeners here tonight. Uh, full-time fantasy, we're, uh, we're releasing the rules to the Fantasy Football World Championship. We, we've got the Dynasty Football World Championship. Very excited about that. And uh, the partnership with DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Check them out for everything Dynasty. Mike, we'll see you next week, my man. Bye, Everybody fired up this season I'm exhausted, barely breathing Holding on to what I believe in No matter what, you'll never take that from me 
listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.